Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Not The Farmer's Wife. Um, I'm a little bit excited. We're coming to the end of launch week, which hasn't been that exciting. It's been pretty flat actually. Uh, But uh, I have been back in contact with my first international guest that I've asked to be on the podcast And we're just trying to tee up times when we're both available. It's so hard when you're in Australia trying to speak to people who are international because it's the whole time difference thing. So uh, my guest that I'm hopefully going to speak to on Monday morning, Monday morning early Australian time, which will be late uh, midday Canadian time. uh, And hopefully that'll be in the next week or two. And then we will have our first international guest on Not the Farmer's Wife, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, but launch week is just about done. And I have to be honest with you all. I am at a point now where I think um, my backyard chicken keeping course idea is not a goer. And I'll be looking at other things that I can do. As you know, I have um, an Amazon shop front. Um, so I sell some products on Amazon and I'm trying to expand that. And I also have a print-on-demand store, which is called Not the Farmer's Wife, uh, where we do made-to-order um, items for sale. So things like hooded blankets and seat covers and hoodies and T-shirts and aprons and stuff like that. So I'm going to focus my attention more on those two things and try and get those running very smoothly and bring me in some income that might free me up to do a bit more with um, course running. Uh, but at the moment, I'm going to shift my focus to those things. Anyway, this week, uh, we've had a a pretty full-on week with me being off for the whole week. Um, The Handy Helper and I uh, got in this week and clipped uh, quite a few of the goat's hooves uh, that were a little bit overgrown. With the Angoras, they don't tend to get as overgrown as the milking goats. The milking goats can get really problematic hoof issues. So you do have to stay on top of it. Luckily, none of mine are really bad. The only one that had an issue was one of the Angoras. Um, and I've not seen it before, but it's like the um, the frog part of the hoof if for horsey people. Um, it kind of has extended and grown a bit longer than it should have. Now, I couldn't trim it back too far because like a similar to a dog's claw, if you trim back too far, it does start to bleed a little and I didn't want to do damage to her. So what I've done is I've just trimmed it back as best I can and then in a couple of weeks, I'll go and have another go at trimming it back a bit further. Hopefully by then any uh, veins that are close to the surface will have retracted like they do with dogs. And I'll be able to um, just trim it back a bit further. She, I think she was just getting, not foot rot, but like a little bit of like manky damp foot um, from it being too overgrown. Uh, so we'll see how we go. She certainly wasn't limping as badly this morning. So that's a good sign. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of keeping on top of it. It's a maintenance thing. Anyway, I was also going to open up the hives today uh, and do an extraction. However, it started pouring with rain this morning and that was the end of that. Uh, the bees don't like it when you open them up when they're uh, when it's raining. 
Uh, so that we can that and we'll have to do that next week sometime. Anyway, so this week, what am I talking about? Homesteading crafts. Now, I focus a lot on animals and animal care and things like that. But at the end of the day, homesteading is such a broad range of, of things that it encompasses. Um, it would be silly of me not to talk about crafting, particularly when there's a couple of things within the crafting um, kind of broad heading that I do do here on the homestead and there's a lot of things obviously that I want to do which I actually have a little bit of a, a meme mem depending on which way you look at it uh, that's quite funny that I'll post uh, it's a lady in the kitchen looking like she's cooking from scratch and it says me I'm so overwhelmed also me I want chicks to expand my garden bake bread get bees cook all our food from scratch and make my own butter and unfortunately, that's where I end up most days is um, so busy doing things with the animals outside that I sometimes don't get to the things I want to do inside. Sourdough, I definitely do do. Um, cheese making I've been doing and skimming butter, skimming cream to make my own butter. I've been doing that. Soap making, uh, which I'm actually after I record this podcast, I'm going to make a batch of soap because we're nearly out. Uh, so those kinds of things I do but there's a whole bunch of other things that I don't really discuss and some of them are stuff that I do do or that I'm trying to get into uh, but I think it's important that we realize that homesteading you know there's a lot that it encompasses under that title so um, it I mean at the end of the day it's not just about gardens and animals which is what I mostly focus on it is a whole lifestyle thing and I think that it's really important um, that the whole purpose of homesteading is that we're cutting back on things. We're trying to not purchase things off farm. So we're making them on farm. And, you know, sourdough would be an example of that. Soap would be another example of that. Uh, you're sparing yourself a, a trip to the store, essentially. Uh, but the best bit, and this is what I love about it, and there's a few people that I follow online who very much promote this side of it, is... All the things that you're saving on, all the things that you're doing at home to reduce your expenses are all potential money makers. They're all things that you could take to the farmer's markets or to local customers if you've got a customer base like I do. And there's a market for getting those items out there. The number of times my egg buyers have said, oh, well, next time you've got honey for sale, I'd like to buy some. So there's so many things you could do. Um, and that extra income, if you're bringing extra income into your homestead, that is time that you don't have to clock off homestead. Or, or if like me, you want to be completely mortgage-free before you walk away from that day job, um, then every single extra bit of income coming in means that you're closer to being able to pay that mortgage off. And, you know, I think for most people, swapping the office for a full-time farm job is essentially what we're aiming for with homesteading. Um, I would much rather be doing this all day. It's where my real passion lies. Um, my day job is, you know, I don't hate it. If I, if I hated it, I wouldn't do it. But my day job is not where I want to be in the next two or three years. I'd like to be um, homesteading full-time or at least you know, only having to work part-time, <laughs> that would be that would be pretty good too because I do like my job still. Um, so the main thing that you need to consider with this kind of, with the homestead crafting side of things is you don't need to have acres and acres of land. And to be honest, you don't even need animals. There are a couple of points, a couple of craft type items where having animals is helpful, uh, but 
just having a veggie garden would be enough for some of these and in some of these you wouldn't even need that uh, because you could get raw supplies from certain people and turn them into things that you need um, certainly with sourdough um, bread making you don't you need a kitchen and a jar and you could do it in a caravan so you don't even need a big kitchen um anyway I, I to me i think the homesteading journey really begins in your kitchen and in some cases just in your living room uh, so i'm going to go through a few options that you have for crafting regarding homesteading type stuff and the first one is using homestead resources so obviously this is for people who do have either a little bit of space or at least access to space or access to certain items and the first one is fibres, uh, working with wool and fibres from other animals. And I know there's a lady that I follow over in the States who has Angora rabbits. I didn't even know they were a thing. But sometimes when I Google, and it happened years ago, I Googled Angora goats uh, when I was trying to manage something with the goats. And this Angora rabbit page came up. And I went in and had a look and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I didn't realise you could... Um, get hair off a goat but you can off a, off a rabbit rather but you can so working with fibers um and, and but it doesn't just have to be animal fibers it could be cotton flax or hemp and certainly hemp is one of the ones on my list my very long list of things that i need to do on the homestead i would like to have a grow a go at growing hemp um not for not for making it into fabric i think that's too complex and and i'm not sure that I would have the patience for doing that but being able to weave it into things like baskets or ropes or things like that i think that would be handy uh, but also too you know the angora wool that we get off the goats um every year so far it's been so matted and ratty and all the rest of it and this year i've finally got to the point where i think when the shearer comes out in the next month it's actually going to be very sal salvageable and i'm going to be able to wash it sell it as raw mohair but also too i have a spinning wheel here that was gifted to me by my mum uh for me and my daughter to use and um and i'm actually going to try and teach my son how to do it too uh but the, being able to weave our own wool would be or to spin our own wool would be awesome that would be a really good thing but there's lots of other craft things you can do um certainly um there's um what i forget what it's called where they mat it together to make like fabric uh, which I've always looked at and thought I'd love to do it, but I've no idea how they actually do do it. Next time, with Canberra show's on at the end of February, and I'm thinking I'm going to go there and quiz the ladies on it. Um, one of the other things that is something that my mum used to do was pottery from uh, local clay. So if you have access to clay in your area and um, pottery is something that you'd be interested in, handmade pottery stuff really, you know, like it, a... A, it would be useful around the house. B, you could on-sell it at farmer's markets, which I think, you know, if people were looking at it from the perspective of this is completely local clay, that would be pretty cool. It would be a pretty cool selling point. Um, woodworking. So uh, I, I'm, I, when I was a teenager, I studied for two years to be a carpenter and joiner and decided two years in that carpentry was not perhaps the um, occupation that I wanted as a woman. Um, things were very different all those years ago uh, but I am still reasonably handy with a, a hammer and a nail and you know, a couple of bits of wood so woodworking if you have access to even even hand um, turning stuff and hand turning you know is hard work compared to a lathe but uh, whittling I know in the states is quite big 
it's probably not done as much over here but certainly carving timber I've seen uh, particularly in places like when I lived in PNG there's a lot of people that hand carve different objects out of out of timber uh, so that's something that you could utilize it for stuff around the house but you could again also sell it at the farmers markets uh, natural dyeing using different plant-based dyes to dye wool or fabrics or paper even that would be an awesome little project to do i i would love to make paper again <laughs> it's one of the i would love to do one day things but i've seen people use um, berries and fruits uh, in order to color wool which i think is just awesome to do it that way like completely natural there's no chemicals in it how nice would it be uh, and then the last one out of homesteading resources is kind of kind of out of it but and it would be from the handy helpers perspective and that's recycled crafts and certainly I have got a couple of friends who I did not know were reasonably handy with a paintbrush and a sander and I've seen them post things online where they've bought something from the green shed you know a secondhand piece of furniture sanded it back repainted it in some pretty trendy cool colors and then they on sell it and that's an awesome way to make a little bit extra money. Yes, it is a little bit of a pain in the ass. If anybody's used Facebook Marketplace, you know what I mean. It can be a real pain. But if you're, if you're going to the farmer's markets anyway, being able to take a couple of little bits of furniture and sit them to the side of your stall and say, yeah, these are also for sale, that, that could be a good little money spinner. Um, and if you like that kind of thing, if you like doing it, and I certainly do, I love sanding back you know timber timber items and re-lacquering or painting or doing things to them so that could be a really cool little side project for you to do now the next one is high on my list and I never get to it and it's probably because I'm not the gardening type I really struggle with the whole gardening concepts but if you are a gardener you are going to love this one and that is herbalism and natural remedies now a big disclaimer right out in the front of this one um, depending on where you live and depending on what the legislation is where you live, just be mindful that you may not be able to practice herbalism without some kind of registration or there may be certain claims that you can't make about products that you are developing. That being said, obviously we're all adults and it bugs me that we have these kind of restrictions on what we can and can't do as an adult if i want to buy a herbal tea off somebody because it's got certain things in it then i should be allowed to do that but i don't make the rules i just try and interpret them and work within them so herbalism and natural remedies starting with uh, medicinal herb cultivation so there are certain herbs that are you know if you're a gardener and you love growing things being able to grow um certain herbs for the purposes of selling them to people who are making medicinal prop, medicinal uh, items out of those herbs would be awesome particularly if you can go to them and say well this is a completely organic garden i don't use herbicides i don't use pesticides you know i have bees that that you know help um with um pollination and things like that that would be a really good selling point so having those kind of herbs that you could sell in little bundles of dried herbs or fresh herbs maybe you'd like to do them in a potted situation where somebody can buy certain herbs um, and take them home to use for that type of thing uh, that would be a really good little money spinner but it also would help you massively yourself if you were interested in that kind of thing um, to um, 
do your own herbal medications. Herbal tea blends I already mentioned. Um, I love the idea of making my own tea. Um, I, my mother used to make one that was a chamomile tea um, and they were chamomile plants that she was growing herself. So we were drying the plant and breaking it down and putting it into little reusable tea bags. If you haven't seen them, go online. I, I think I got mine from Amazon, honestly. Um, they're reusable tea bags. They're just little mesh bags that you can put dried tea in to dunk it into your teacup which is really awesome um or or and certainly if you're like me and you've been to t2 in australia oh my god you could spend a fortune in that shop um i have now a thermos flask that i bought which has this it's a beautiful red chinese decoration on it um and it's a herbal it's a tea thermos flask so you put your tea in the little tube in the middle fill it up with hot water and it, because it's thermal on the outside of it it actually keeps your tea warm for a lot longer because i tend to forget that i've got it sitting there and come back to it an hour later and cold tea isn't so nice so herbal tea blends would be a big i think there's a lot of people out there that enjoy having herbal teas not just black teas uh, you could also grow tea, black tea if you wanted, but um, certainly uh, I know that coffee, processing coffee is a lot harder than most people realise. And for now, I'm just going to buy my beans, my coffee beans from someone and blend them down myself. Um, herbal salves and balms. So this goes on from um, what I was talking about last week with some soap making. Uh, you can certainly make your own um, moisturizers and things. I had a go at making tallow moisturizer, which I don't think I did it properly, but I'm going to try it again. I'm determined to, to make my own moisturizer and not have to buy it in you know disposable containers. Um, and we have beeswax also here on the farm, so that makes it easier again to make you know things like lip balm and stuff like that I could do using the beeswax that's actually here from my bees. Uh, aromatherapy I've never got into aromatherapy but I know people that just rave about it and they certainly um, when they talk about it they talk about the you know the beneficial properties of using aromatherapy um, essential oils my understanding with aromatherapy oils is that they're generally oils that um, have been um, the herbs herbs have been uh, soaked in them infused in them and then the oil has been strained off or in some cases the, the herb is still sitting in there but the idea is that it's a mood enhancement or a natural healing property to it so i know um i think it's rosemary um that you rub rosemary oil on your temples if you're going in to do an exam and it's supposed to give you clarity and make you you know concentrate and focus a lot better uh, so those kinds of things you could definitely um, do for your own benefit uh, but also selling at the markets and then herbal first aid. And as I said in the disclaimer at the beginning, there's certain things that you can't make claims to um, because the government have a certain control over what is said and what's, you know, what's offered and what's not. Uh, but I think as adults, most people can make up their own mind about whether they believe that medicinal plants uh, can treat certain ailments or injuries. Um, and, and if they believe that, well, if they want to buy those products off you, then they should be allowed to. So, so long as you're not making any kind of outlandish claims, you know, you're going to cure cancer or anything like that, then I think you probably would get away with um, selling it, you know, uh, say, um, what's the one that, oh, garlic, garlic and honey, garlic and honey infused together is supposed to be really good for colds and coughs and things like that. 
obviously you would only be selling it to people who approached you about certain things if you had them available so that all aside the next one you again may need to depending on where you live you may need to be licensed or you may need to be qualified to have some kind of certification to say that you are using either a commercial kitchen or your food handling skills have been you know you've done a food handling skill course so you know what you're doing and anything that you make is not going to be made without proper hygiene and that is homemade food products so the first one on the list is jam and jelly making now we're not big well the kids are i'm not a big jam eater here um when i did used to eat grains i used to um i loved um, scones homemade scones with jam and cream that was probably my favorite thing and I haven't had it for a very long time I would like to get to a point where I learn to make jam or jelly without as much sugar being used in it um, but I know that the sugar has to be in there for the certain for setting quality so it's it's a kind of a balancing act between too much sugar and not enough sugar to make the the jam actually work uh, but if you like making jams and jellies, certainly at the farmer's markets, I don't think I've ever seen the ladies that sell jams and jellies go home empty handed. Um, and I know we've bought them particularly different, unusual flavoured ones we've bought from the farmer's markets. No problem at all. Uh, the next one's pickling and fermentation and pickled vegetables, sauerkraut, kimchi, those kinds of things. I think they're making a real comeback at the moment. And I think that's because people are understanding that those fermented foods definitely have beneficial qualities when it comes to gut health. So um, people are going out of their way to look for fermented vegetables for the purposes of healing their own stomachs and, and kind of realigning their microbiome in their gut. Uh, and I think the more more that kind of comes out as being a real thing, that gut health is really that important, and f let food be thy medicine, then fermented foods will probably get bigger again. So I think that's a really untapped market at the moment, the food fermentation. I don't do a lot of it here, although I will say preserved lemons are just about my favourite thing ever. And if you haven't had preserved lemons cut up and sprinkled across the salad, please do it. It is the it is so good. It really is. It's just that right level of um, salt and, and sour kind of thing mixed in with the salad. It's yum. Uh, sauce from scratch. I think everybody who's ever been to a farmer's markets would have seen there are people that come in there with their, you know, butterscotch sauce or... Um, uh, different chili sauces, different barbecue sauces, tomato sauces that they make from scratch, salsa, things like that. And if you're like me and you have a thermomix, then you would know that making tomato sauce, barbecue sauce, etc., are so easy to do. Honestly, it's not anywhere near as hard as what people think it is. Um, I haven't perfected the right level of sweet in the tomato sauce for the kids yet, and that's because they're used to the commercial tomato sauce. I tr I've tried weaning them off it. We'll get there eventually, but I've just got to try and find a way to get that tomato sauce to taste a bit more like what they're used to in the shops because at the moment they just kind of go, oh, it doesn't really taste right and they, don't, they won't eat it. Um, baking things, so I've already talked about sourdough bread. If you are a mad keen sourdough baker and that's what you love to do, um, then I would encourage you to go ahead and not just make bread, but make things like muffins, cookies, crackers, stuff like that. Because so many people ask me about sourdough. They know that I, I make it at home. And the number of times that I have people say to me, do you make anything else with it? Because I've heard you can make this, this and this with it. So 
if you're if if baking is your thing if it's what you love doing why not do a few extra ones and see if anybody would like to buy an extra loaf or buy some sourdough muffins or even your starter your excess starter um for your sourdough sell that um i had somebody the other day ask me next time i do a changeover can i can i they get some sourdough starter off me i said yeah sure no drums at all i do it all the time so you know i've always got always got sourdough starter there like discard so uh that's a good one to and again you if so long as you're certified as far as food handling you could definitely sell that at the farmer's markets now the next one is going to have some controversy with it because as most of you would know i am a raw dairy um proponent i believe that raw dairy is not the um boogeyman that everybody makes it out to be um so dairy making things from scratch from dairy uh, obviously in some countries is illegal if it is raw dairy however i know a lot of people who also pasteurize dairy in their own home that comes from hand milked cows or, or goats so if you are pasteurizing it then this is something you could definitely do or if you live in a country that does not have the same horribly strict rules that australia has uh, then uh, you could look at doing it and you know it does my head in because i look at countries like i think it's pakistan 90 percent of the dairy consumed over there is raw dairy and you know i mean really <laughs> there's no major outbreaks of listeria you know there's nothing kind of causing any kind of grief but i'll get off my high horse on that one because uh, most people know how i feel about it and it well it bugs me there's nothing i can do about it at this point in time all i can do is keep putting the word out there that raw dairy is not the boogeyman uh, but dairy exploring uh, cheese making um, making yogurt cultures and um, butters and things like that you know if you're in a country where you are legally allowed to sell raw oh my god you would make a killing the number of people contact me and ask to buy raw milk off me and i have to say i'm sorry it's illegal in australia i can't sell it to you um, even though i consume it myself my kids consume it yeah i use it to make cheese i use it to make yogurt all that kind of stuff but i can't sell it if you can sell it i would strongly encourage you to consider doing it because honestly uh, there is a really huge demand for it so moving away from food just let me have a sip moving away from food um, handmade home decor uh, now I this is one thing that I probably there's only a couple of things in here that I would probably do but that being said if I had oodles of time and wasn't working on farm then I'd probably get into a few more of them so the first one is making um, uh, items particularly wreaths or home decorations uh, with um, items that you foraged off the farm so things like wreaths with flowers on them uh, things with made from branches uh, doing macrame where you you know put a branch into the macrame that kind of thing um, if you are handy in that way and that particular craft is a thing that you really enjoy doing it might be that you really like working with dried flowers um, or you know maybe you live near a coastal area where you can pick up lots of shells and things like that where you can make little shell frames for photos or things like that uh, that's something that you could obviously decorate your own house with um, or you could take to the farmers markets and and sell it 
the next one is one that I would love to get into um, and that's because I have access to wax and that is candle making if I had more access to wax because <laughs> I tend to I tend not to try and take too much of the wax out of the beehives um, and that's because I know how much goes into making that wax so I know the bees have to work overtime to produce the amount of wax when I go in there and raid it so I tend not to take as much as what I could but um, if you have access to wax if you have more than a few beehives and you have access to it making candles and particularly making candles that have been infused with different scents or things like that that would be an awesome thing and there is a huge demand out there for it I know on my print on demand store um, the suppliers that I can get my my items off my towels blankets car seats things like that they also sell scented candles because there is so much demand for it uh, the next one is one that I do do so I can speak to this one and that is making soap homemade soap um, I make a um, cold process method uh, a hot cold or hot I can't oh geez I can't remember now which one it is it's the one where I'm using caustic soda and mixing it with frozen ice cubes of um, of goat's milk so that one uh, and I make it I also add a little bit of honey into it uh, and I use almond oil and coconut oil as my main oils alongside with some olive oil and I make up soap usually I forget like I have this time so I've madly got to scramble and make up some soap we've only got three bars left and they will not last us six weeks and it takes six weeks for soap to cure so soap is something that you could do it really doesn't take much time to do it it's about measuring things out correctly um, I've always got frozen ice cubes of goat's milk in the freezer so um, I've always got them there and they're easy to pull out it really doesn't take much time to make up a batch but you do need to leave it sit somewhere so that it can cure if it doesn't cure it won't go hard if it doesn't go hard then the soap will literally just disintegrate in the fridge now I love making the soap because once we started making it we noticed that OJ my son's uh, eczema calmed right down and the handy helper gets a little bit of eczema on his hands it's like a contact dermatitis on his hands from touching things and when he's using that soap he finds that he doesn't get quite as his skin doesn't get quite as dried out um, so I really love doing that and it's definitely something that you can resell if you go to Amazon if you go to uh, any farmers markets and go and have a look there are so many people selling homemade soaps and not all of them are homemade can I just tell you some of them are massively factory produced but if you can sit there and say homemade soap made by me and it's hand wrapped and you've got the you know the ingredients listed on the outside and say to people yeah I make this you can even have a little you can have your, your iPad set up on the corner with a little video showing you actually making it um, you would definitely be able to sell that and again it saves you having to buy soap out uh, so textiles arts is the next one and this is one that I always joke and say I can't wait till I'm retired I really want to do um, patchwork quilts that is I would love to do that I learned to sew courtesy of my mother and I don't sew anywhere near as much as what I wish I could but the idea of making when I when I visited Pennsylvania in um, in the US I went to um, a couple of little um, like Amish kind of villages and there were so many fabric and patchwork quilt shops over there. I could spend a week over there just going through those shops. I would love to do it and it's something that I just don't have time at the moment. But 
once I retire, that will be, I will be quilting like crazy. Uh, natural home fragrances. So this is another one that can you definitely use around your house. Um, making things like pot puree, um, satchels and room sprays, like things like I know I've in the past used um, vinegar and um, orange in order to do wipe downs of the bench and it leaves the most beautiful smell afterwards. Uh, but you could also uh, grow spices, like um, if you, depending on what area you live in. I would love to grow turmeric and ginger here, but I would have to do that in a heated room or in a pot on the veranda because we just get too many frosts here for it. But being able to grow your own spices and add those to things to infuse the smell would be awesome. Now, I did talk about, um, about baking and homemade products before, but also too, it's probably worth considering things like farm to table cooking and baking and i'll just briefly touch on it um, things like having people come out and doing seasonal cooking uh, if you're if you're a chef type you might want to teach people how to do um, cooking from farm to table uh, because there is some people actually don't understand you know the processing of, of things that have come literally straight out of the ground um, Eggs is obviously something that we do here. So we sell our excess eggs, um, which at the moment it feels like I sell all my eggs and I never have any excess for me. Uh, but uh, we sell our eggs um, and we are going to get to a point where we also sell point of late chickens. Uh, the homemade cheeses and things like that I've already discussed. We talked about that and that it does depend where you're from. Uh, meat. Meat is one that I really want to get into. And again, you would need to be licensed and, and registered and you know have all the certifications. But being able to process our own meat here on the farm and sell it, actually sell it, not give it to our friends, would be awesome. Um, it would require certain things as far as cool rooms and stuff like that. So there's a lot more outlay with that. But man, imagine being able to say, this animal was born here on the farm, raised on the farm to a fully grown, and then it was dispatched and uh, butchered on the farm all the way through, never left the farm. That would just be awesome to be able to market meat that way. But also too, with that meat, um, if you're the kind of person, and I have a, a couple of friends who are, um, their, their heritage is such that their families get together once or twice a year and they make salami or they bottle tomatoes or things like that. So being able to do that with the meat and then also even with preserving your harvest, being able to, to do a big batch of canning and freezing and drying so that you have those kind of items, not just for yourself, but to sell the excess as well would be awesome. Uh, but again, you would need to make sure that you were certified for whatever state or territory you're in that allows you to do that. Now, marketing and selling crafts, um, and automatically the thought goes to Etsy, but Etsy is a really hard one to sell on. And I, I currently have a Shopify store, not an Etsy store, and that's because Etsy is just, there's so many sellers on Etsy, it makes it really hard to kind of be seen amongst the crowd. Uh, but if you have a following, if you have a social media following, then being able to market and sell crafts online would be awesome. Obviously, you, know, you have to think about postage and stuff like that. So, you know, having a, a macrame wall hanging might be a bit hard to package up, but having a bundle of five soaps that you can send in the mail, that would be very different. That you would probably stand a really good chance of having some good online sales with that. 
Um, and, and on that, you know, making sure that with your so- social media stuff, if you're interested in doing homesteading uh, to earn an income, then start, I would say to you now, because I didn't do it early enough, start now with your social ma- media marketing. Uh, you really need to jump in sooner rather than later and start getting that audience up and running. Um, and it's just remember with selling stuff, you're, you're not being pushy or car salesy or anything like that. What you're doing is you're saying to the public, I have these items and here's a price that I want to sell these items for and I have them available. People don't have to buy off you and they're not going to buy off you if they don't want to. So just remember that when you are doing any kind of online selling that you're offering something you've got for sale and the person can either choose to buy it or choose not to buy it. It's not about you being pushy or salesy or anything like that. Just simply saying, I have this excess product that I want to sell and this is what I charge for it. This is what it's worth. If it's not worth that to them, they won't buy it. Uh, Local market participation is a good one as well. But online, if you could branch out into online, it'd be awesome. But remember to also, when you're starting that social media stuff, remember to get some brand identity going. So make sure people know exactly what your farm stands for, what your homestead stands for, um, so that there's, um, so that you attract your kind of customer, your people. Um, And certainly I've, certain some of the topics I've discussed here, I have seen people stop following me and and no longer download the podcast and and that's okay because they're not my people and I'm it doesn't bug me that that happens it actually makes me feel better because it means that the people that are staying are the people that actually you know not agree with me it's not about agreeing but they are my kind of people they they're on the same wavelength as me and not everybody's going to be that so and also make sure that you do um, do excellent customer service. If you're selling a product, well, I say, you know, we, we offer things for sale and it's up to them whether they buy it or not. Good customer service doesn't cost anything. It's being polite, being respectful, trying to do the right thing by them, giving them all the information they need. Um, now, one other thing I wanted to speak about in regards to that kind of crafty stuff is that community engagement and networking is something that I think in the past people haven't necessarily done well because there is a real thing about, oh my God, their competition. And I think it's really important that we start, we stop looking at people as competition and start looking at them as collaborators. They're people that have the similar mindset to us. They, they're selling similar products to us, not the same, because nobody can sell the same ones that you're selling. Um, but they are work, we can work with them and that their customer base and our customer base are very, very similar. And that's not a bad thing. That just means that more people are getting into the stuff that we are into. So that's a really good thing. Uh, but being involved in the community, so helping with the farmers markets, helping newcomers who are coming into the farmers markets, collaborating with local businesses, they might have a, a product that works really well with yours that you don't sell. So you could collaborate in that way. Um, but even going so far as hosting workshops and events I mean I would love to get it to a point where we can have people come out here to learn about regenerative agriculture and you know have maybe one of the local wineries supplying wine that people can sample and then maybe buy and take home with them that would be awesome it'd be fun for us too um so and then the last thing more to that point of you know the kind of people that you want 
to be following you on your social media and the kind of customers that you want to be participating in what you're doing and and knowing what your brand is about I think that comes down to to understanding that um, certain customer groups will have certain beliefs but and I see this probably more so in the US than in Australia but there are people that have um, very set beliefs about climate change there's very set beliefs about uh, religion there's very set beliefs about um, conservation and biodiversity and zero waste and environmental education. And you either can just be try and be everything to everybody or you can be true to yourself and say, this is what I stand for. These are the things that I that are important to me that I focus on. And yeah, you might piss some people off. I nearly went the whole episode without swearing. You might really piss some people off, but you also might just make it very clear to people who are new to your world what you stand for, what you agree with, what you don't agree with, and they will either say, that kind of person's the kind of person I want to be involved with, I want to learn from, I want to follow them, I want to see what they're doing, I want to get ideas from them. They're either going to be that kind of person or they're going to go, hell fucking no, send me the other way at a million miles an hour this person's a weirdo I want nothing to do with them and if they're that if that's the decision they make then you should be very glad for that because what that means is you don't have to cater to somebody who it's going to be uncomfortable for you Um, you can just be true to yourself and just go these are my beliefs and practices and if that person doesn't doesn't believe in what you're doing they'll go and find somebody else who does believe in the same things as them. And that saves you a whole lot of heartache and hassle down the track. So that's my take on homestead crafting. Um, We went off on a bit of a tangent towards the end there, but I think it really is important. You know, there's no point in you saying, oh, I'm going to make, you know, a a decor, home decor for the house using animal skulls and then expect somebody who is a staunch vegan to want to buy that kind of product they're not going to buy that product same as um you know selling honey or eggs to somebody who is a vegan they're not going to buy it if the person's a vegetarian they're probably going to go oh yeah no i'm, I'm okay with eating eggs you know it's only animal meat that i don't want to eat you know, i'm okay with having cheese because you know the, the animal wasn't killed to make that so having that kind of having every everything out on the table and knowing exactly what kind of customer base you want because they have the same belief system as you uh that's just going to make it easier for you down the track and certainly it has for me there's i've had people who followed me to start with and and then went sent me a dm and went oh my god no you you killed your own animals what the hell what are you doing and that's okay they're not my people it's not a problem anyway that's it for me for this week um i will like i say hopefully i don't know which week i'm going to have my international guest but hopefully next monday i'll be recording it with her uh once it's recorded then absolutely i will be trying to get it out to you as soon as possible because i think a lot of you would really enjoy what she has to say um yeah anyway that's it for this week i will see you all next week bye for now thanks so much for listening today i hope you've enjoyed our time together If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. 
And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.